We are underway this hour on Flamestock. Happy Monday. It is January 22nd. And yeah, we've got a, a busy hour ahead with Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. It's Pat Steinberg on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time for the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors. Uh, a little bit later on this hour, we'll say hello to the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, Trent Cull, will join us for his regular Monday conversation with us. Lots to get into on the Jacob Markstrom front as well this hour. But right now, it's time to go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. And you know what? It's funny. Flames fall 3-1 to Edmonton on Saturday uh, to reach the halfway mark of the six-game homestand. And a few players in that room did not like the effort. I came away from there thinking that, you know what? Against their number one rival, who had at the time won 12 in a row, they've now won 13, um, I thought that that was a first period that could have gone completely off the rails if it weren't for Dan, uh, Dan Vladar and his heroics, and he was outstanding. But I thought... In the final 40, they woke up. They played some pretty competitive hockey. There wasn't a ton separating the two teams in that final 40 minutes of play. I still thought the Oilers carried the balance of the play for 60 minutes. I really did. I thought I thought Edmonton was full marks, and I, I, I hate saying it, but it's true. I thought the Oilers were full marks for the victory and were the better team start to finish. But from where it was in the first and how lopsided it was to the way it ended, it was a whole lot more competitive in the final 40. So I came away from the game saying to myself, well, you know, a fluky goal to win it early in the third, and it was much more competitive, and Dan Vladar was great. I kind of came away from it saying, yeah, you know what? was was a decent effort, all things considered. I didn't hate it, but Mackenzie Weger, we're, just, we're about to hear it in a second. Yeah. Boy, he had a very different opinion than the one that I just laid out there, hey? He he absolutely did, and well, let's hear it, and then um, I'll share some thoughts after. So this was Mackenzie Weger, just a little bit of his uh, post-game thoughts on Saturday night. Just thought we got out-competed, you know, awareness was limited, there wasn't much urgency in that first period, body stood on his head, <clears throat> you know, Battle of Alberta, there wasn't much of a battle tonight from us. How, how do you explain that tonight? You know, I thought, you know, it's a big game, Battle of Alberta, I thought we were going to you know, come out a little harder than that and maybe throw some hits, mix it up a bit. Um, you know, including myself, this is, you know, I'm speaking for myself and the whole team here, but, you know, I just, I thought there would have been a little bit more pride there from us. Um, you know, it's a big game, you know. They're coming into, you know, our territory, our city. You know, I thought, you know, we would have a little bit more juice there. There were some good things, of course. You know, I thought we had a bit of a pushback there, but, um, you know, for the most part, just felt like they were winning the battles, you know. Just that's kind of how I saw it. Is what? that understanding, you know, the excitement that surrounded this yeah. game and, and the rivalry? Like, is it concerning to be lacking that juice tonight? No, you know, it's, you know, 
I've never doubted this group. Um, you know, we faced a lot of adversity. We've talked about it before. Um, you know, we got to learn from it. We play them again next month. Um, you know, I expect a you know a better response um, next month. But you know, right now, you know that shit's sting a bit. Uh, you know, I need a sense of pride. You know, the guys that have been here a long time, like Bax, I'm sure. Um, you know, has a little bit more hatred for those battles, and we got to find that same that you know that little fire in the belly there. So that was Mackenzie Weger post game. Now. I don't get to be in the locker room post game. I'm hosting the post game show from the hot and, stove, and we miss you in there. I, I'm sure that you recognize. We talk it at about all that time. a lot. Yeah, I'm sure that every time a player comes out, they're like, "Where's Pat?" I, yeah. I get it. I, Are I, we starting without Pat? My my presence is that important. Yeah. By the no, we're kidding. <laughs> don't neither of us <laughs> neither of the, us mean the things that we say. But you are. You're there, and and you know I. I saw some of the quotes coming out before we had played it, and I was like, whoa, Mackenzie yeah. Weger was, was not impressed at all. But you, you're there, so you know, not only do you hear it, but you're also there you know, picking up the vibes from the player being right beside him. I'm just curious as to what you made of, of those comments from Mackenzie. You know, it, it surprised me at first, and, and I'm sure you had to crank down the, the volume in that scrum. Like, the one thing you could really hear in, in Mackenzie's voice postgame was the intensity. Like, he was, wasn't was so much frustration as it was just he he was sort of amped. Like, he had, he had some things he wanted to get off his chest. And while I was surprised because of the way that they battled back or clawed back in the second period because of the way that quite frankly, the post-game storyline could have been just the gut punch that it was to lose that game on on a fluke goal the way Sam Gagne scored from below the goal line. You know, as I thought more about it, I think what Mackenzie Weger was really driving at and what you have to agree with is there's really no excuse to play that sort of first period against your arch-rival when you're trying to end their franchise record win streak. Yeah. And you can kind of go two ways, and I think either are perfectly fair. You can say, well, hey, you know, they found it in the second and third, and, and they hung around with what was what has really become a really good hockey team. Let's give the Oilers their due. Like, that was my biggest takeaway was, man, those guys look like a tough out right now. But at the same time, you can also see where McKenzie's coming from, which is this team, our fiercest rival from up the highway, have won 12 in a row. We can't think that we're going to beat them with 40 minutes of decent effort. And I think that's where the frustration yeah. came from. And I, you know, what I really liked is that it's kind of like, nope, I, I may have given them a pass for a 40-minute effort, right? And I like the fact that mm, there's Mackenzie Weger saying, no, that's that's unacceptable. Talking about pride, talking about right. um, it not being a battle. like Those are strong you, things to hear. You from, don't hear that in an no. NHL locker room. I thought we would have shown some pride out Especially there. Especially after that. That sounds like, and I, this is not being critical at all. But that sounds like something you might hear after. Like I remember Curtis Glencross in the in the Flames locker room playing his comments after a a nine one loss in Boston or a nine nothing loss in Boston, whatever it was. T.J. Brody was a plus in was, that. Game. No, he was even. Oh, he was, he was even. even. Okay, um, still remarkable. It was better than Chris Butler's uh, final plus. Not minus. great. Woof. Um, Six seven. Woof. Yeah, poor guy. <laughs> hey, I will always give that guy credit. 
They came back shortly afterwards, and I did a one-on-one with Chris Butler and asked him about that game three or four times, and he took every question straight on and admitted to how rough it was and how you deal with being a dash seven and and did not shy away from any any of the questions. One of my absolute favorites, Chris Butler, uh, just to deal with. I digress. Um, I just remember Curtis Glencross, and those are the same things he's saying. we got to show some pride. We have to, to look ourselves in the mirror. Like those types of things you hear after blowout losses. That was not a blowout loss on the scoreboard. The Flames had an opportunity to tie that game mm-hmm. for the better part of the third period. And I know that they didn't. And, and I think the balance of that game, the Flames did a, uh, uh, didn't do a good enough job of getting to quality areas, didn't do a good enough job of, of getting into difficult spots. And credit the Oilers, that's the best defensively that we've seen this team during this run of 24 games now. The best they've played away from the puck and in their structure that we've ever seen with this core group of Oilers. They, they look terrifying right now. And, and they showed again, that's what, 10 straight games of wins and allowing two or less? Like What, what they're doing right now is is terrifying. We don't need to talk about that. But you hear that from Uyghur after a 3-1 loss. You say to yourself, okay, I, I like that there's a, a standard inside that room. I like that they're kind of policing themselves. And and Ryan Huska, when he spoke post-game, didn't feel quite as strongly about it as McKenzie did. And I think that's a good thing that, you know, in the moment, they came away from that game really pissed off and, and really not happy with their effort, despite the fact that jabronis like me were... Uh, <laughs> We're saying, yeah, it was a decent enough effort. I thought they were competitive in the final 40. Like, I think that's a good thing. I think it's a real uh, positive sign to hear from that dressing room. Yeah, I do. I, I absolutely think that's a positive. And, and I think the frustration with losing back-to-back games is a positive as well. You could easily look at that and say, you know, those, those are two very high-powered offenses that you lost close games too. And, and you could sort of make those losses, I suppose, excusable for that reason. And, and yet I think the, the frustration, the anger probably is a fair way to put it that came out of the flames room is a real encouraging sign. If you're a fan of this team, because that standard, regardless of what happens next, you know, that this isn't good enough kind of standard is going to be really important no matter what direction this team goes. Yep. A few texts at 960-960. This says uh, McKenzie should be wearing a letter on that jersey. Uh, and I think that letter or not, he absolutely is is one of the louder voices and, and uh, louder leaders inside that room. Uh, this from Matt and Cochran says, I agreed with Uyghur's post-game comments. Vladar held them in that game Saturday. Everyone else seemed almost timid with zero effectiveness in the offensive zone. This says, come on, Pat. If not for goaltending, that game could have been 5 or 6-1 and even 4 nothing after the first easy, and you wouldn't be saying the same. I agree. Um, and you, you have to show me, by the way, the block. I, I assume you block anyone who questions you on this. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. you're immediately getting blocked yeah, for sh- show, questioning. Can you show me that feature? Yeah, absolutely. Don't ever question me or you get blocked. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. And I get what that text is saying. Like, And, and that's, that's essentially what... Mackenzie Weger was saying, it's like, yeah. yeah, okay, it was score was close and we were better in the first in the first uh or the last 40 minutes, but you can't whether you're only down one nothing or not, that sets a tone for a game. Yeah. And and even though the Flames managed to tie it on that three on one in one of the rare mistakes the Oilers made in that game, it does set the tone. So again, I came away saying, 
Okay, I, I wasn't as critical as, as a guy like McKenzie was, but I think it's good that a guy like McKenzie Weger and others were far more critical than perhaps I was on the outside. Yeah, because they got outclassed by the Oilers in that game, right? They they looked like they were, I mean, they were certainly in it on the scoreboard, but the the we, the nails were on the chalkboard, I always like to say, kind of early, and then they battled back a little bit, like it. It has to sting. When when you're the second best team to your arch rivals on your home ice, that has to hurt. Yeah. I think it's important that that does sting, that that does hurt. We heard, you know, Blake Coleman's frustration. You could, I could barely hear, I don't know how it sounded on the postgame show, but poor Dan Vladar, who played his butt off, was so quiet, you could barely hear what he was saying postgame. Yeah. He was so frustrated. And those are... All good signs. You know, I believe one of the things Blake Coleman said was there can't be moral victories for this group right now. And I I do think that, again, regardless of what direction you're ultimately going, it's important to have guys in the room who feel that way. Speaking of Blake Coleman, yeah, this was... uh... This was his thought after losing to the Oilers. So it is frustrating losing Edmonton. Radio's happened. It's frustrating losing in general. Yeah, I mean, doesn't matter the opponent. It's... uh... You know, we keep giving ourselves these great opportunities to to make a push and go on these runs, and then we take two steps back, and it's you know it's getting it's getting down to it where we can't have these setbacks. And that's a really good point that kind of frames the rest of this homestand. In that, all right, they are now one and two in the first three games of this homestand. They're back to just the one game above 500. And now on the back half of this homestand this week, they've got the Blues, Blue Jackets, and Blackhawks, three teams that are not in playoff spots. Uh, now, one of those teams is ahead of Calgary on on points percentage. That would be St. Louis. The Blues are a team that is right there in the fight with Calgary and, and is Minnesota's re-entered the mix as well, give them credit. But um, St. Louis is right there with the Flames and, and one of those teams fighting for a wild card spot. And then it's Columbus and Chicago who are well out of playoff spots on Thursday and Saturday. They need wins here. And they don't have a lot of runway left. Like they're well over halfway into the season with some big decisions to be made here. So that message from Blake Coleman was like, we're getting down to it. That's a, a really important way to frame the final three games of this homestand, the final three games before the break. Yeah, there's going to be some tough conversations uh, around the Saddle Dome during that break, you know, that all-star break slash buy. And I'll use the same disclaimer we always use when we talk about this. It's up to management to decide the direction. The players are trying to earn a playoff spot. That's what they're paid to do. But if they want to have their say... You know, if they want to try to make a statement to Craig Conroy and and Don Maloney and company going into those conversations that, hey, you know, we can make a push here. It's really important to show it this week. And that's not me saying that the Flames management can, will, should, anything like that choose the direction based on what happens in games against the St. Louis Blues, Columbus Blue Jackets, and Chicago Blackhawks. But the players in that room who, again, their job is to try and win hockey games. Yep. If they don't win these hockey games, that's certainly sending a message in itself. Yep. Yeah, it's well said. Um, I wouldn't go that far. That's said. Yeah, that, that, was, was said. that was really said. <laughs> was, you know what? You said it. Uh, three more games until the All-Star break. And, and you know, that is the one thing that kind of 
is more and more hanging over this team is Noah Hannafin, still unsigned into next year. Chris Tanev, Elias Lindholm, same thing. Team is still not in a playoff spot. They're four out of a playoff spot or five out of a playoff spot, whatever it is right now. I think it's four out and five back of L.A. Uh, four out even games with Nashville, five back of L.A., but the Kings have played three fewer games. Like They're, they're not in the greatest spot. No. And I think they of, of all the teams in this mix, they've got the lowest points percentage with Seattle. So they're not sitting pretty, but they're still in the fight. But we're now six weeks to the trade deadline-ish. Okay, it's starting to get down to it here. And that cloud is becoming a little bit more damp and, and feels like it's a little bit closer to the ground now yeah. than maybe it was in, in November or December. Yeah, and I think, buddy, we're really going to feel that after the All-Star break slash bye. Yep. I think that's when the focus it really is going to turn to who might not be around for more than five or six more weeks. And, and listen, every insider who publishes any sort of trade board or rumblings blog, like they're, they're basically, you know, when they go in their image database, they might as well type in Calgary flames and, and take their pick of Lindholm, Hannafin or Tanner, right? You can't see a trade board that doesn't yep. have a flames face as the main photo. And that's not going to change, but I really do think post-break, that's going to heat up even more. Yep. That is our look inside hockey on this Monday. Inside Hockey's for Calgary Co-op. Let's go local Calgary from best from the West Canadian produce to quality only Alberta meats. Find your local at Calgary Co-op. Shop online or in-store today. Uh, a few of the texts that have come in before we hit a couple of other t- other topics at 960-960. Um, this says, I didn't see or hear the game, but caught the post game. Have to admit, when I heard the gushing about McDavid and Drysaddle being held off the score sheet and the comments about the great effort, I thought they were actually competitive. But when I heard the interviews of Huska and the players, it was a complete disconnect. Kind of shows who the experts actually are. Yes, and that's why I'm coming away from that game saying, huh, I thought they played it. I didn't think they were great. Uh, they, the Oilers were clearly the better team and deserved to win but I wasn't as down on it as the players were, as Blake Coleman and, and Mackenzie Weger are. And that's good. Like, I'm glad that they're coming away from games like that, being really pissed off and shutting down any moral victory conversation. Yeah. Good. And, and I think it's important to remember, you know, without calling us old, you and I have been around a little while. And it's not that often post-game that we're kind of caught off guard by the way the players feel yeah. about yeah, the game, yeah, well right? Said. Like, I, I think you and I, at this point, are pretty good at guessing what we're going to hear when we go into the locker room. And and that's why we're talking about those comments from Mackenzie Weger, especially, and to a lesser extent, Blake Coleman today, is because I, I think they did catch some of us by surprise. Uh, this reads, to us, the effort was great because we're aware the Oilers have more skill. The players can't believe the other team is ever better than they are skill-wise. I think we can be optimistic that they're only, uh, they only need one game-breaker from being a real contender, and as luck would have it, uh, they could potentially trade to get a future game-breaker. Uh, and this uh, says, the Oilers are legit and scary. They played the right way and have the game-breaking talent to boot. The Flames just don't have the same kind of roster. Simple as that. Great stuff so far on the text line on this Monday. Uh, did want to hit a couple of other things. Um, first of all, good news on the goaltending front. 
as Jacob Markstrom is ready to return. And, you know, unless something crazy happens between now and Tuesday. He'll be getting the start against the St. Louis Blues. He went through his first morning skate with the team since the injury on Saturday and then did a full practice Monday at the Dome. So he's ready to rock. They've sent Dustin Wolf back to the Wranglers. So Jacob Markstrom is ready to return and he spoke with us in the locker room on Monday morning. I feel really good and uh, excited for you know tomorrow and nice to be be back practicing with the guys. Was it just like a tweak? Like are you able to? I'm excited for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. You were in a, a really good group before the, the injury. Is there any key as a goalie to being able to sort of pick up where you left off? Uh, yeah, I mean, just just kind of skating and working on the stuff, uh, you know, we've been working on all year and, and just keep building on that. And, you know, I didn't miss uh, too many too many days of not skating. So I've been able to, to be been out there with barbs and, uh, you know, just, just kind of keep working and keep doing what, we're, what we've been doing. Ryan Husk has mentioned to us a few times that he thinks you're especially good when you have the adequate amount of, of rest. How do you? Ba- I know you want to always play. How do you balance those conversations with the coach? Yeah, I don't balance them. It's Husk as the coach, and you know I'm the goalie. I want to play every night, and you know, and you know, he, him as a coach want to want to win every night too. So it's uh, you know whatever Dan like you, like I said before, Dan has been playing great and. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know whoever's in that. You know, uh, we're all in in this group and in this locker room, and we want to support each other. That was Jacob Markstrom after his first full practice, so he'll just miss the three games, and he'll be good to go come Tuesday night against St. Louis, and probably rattle off the rest of the homestand. You'd think before going into the break, uh, and as as you just asked him in that uh, little uh, little clip there. Last time he came back after an injury, it was two weeks off. This is one week off, but last time he came back, he was stellar, and he has been in a ridiculous groove ever since. And that has really started and and spawned the conversation of the proper rest. And it's not just people like me and you talking about the proper rest level for Jacob. It's Ryan Huska and the team that is talking about it and and being very adamant about how important that is. Yeah, and there there's a real rest versus rust argument there with your your starting goalie, but I think Ryan Husk is getting more and more confident that he he's sort of found the sweet spot and, and I'll be really curious to see how he manages his goalies. It's not a concern right now or it's not even a storyline right now with the break coming up, but it's going to be really interesting as the Calgary Flames get into February and early March, what the plan is there. Yep, yep, 100%. Um, and Andrew Manchpani didn't practice for maintenance, Yeah, which was interesting. We'll see if he's out there, and it could just very well be maintenance. Yeah, um, but and- not, not to call anyone a liar, but whenever you have a maintenance day after an off day, it, it definitely there's peaks something interest. going on. Well, they also had AJ Greer on that line. It wasn't they had Nick. It DeSimone. wasn't a placeholder. Yeah. Nick D. Simone was the placeholder forward, and he skated on the fourth line, and it was Greer on the backland line with Coleman, which I thought was a little eyebrow raising. So, I guess what I'm telling you is. I'll be watching a buzz on my phone around 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning to see if somebody's coming up from the American League. And and there might be somebody coming up from the American League regardless yeah. because they're only at 12 forwards. With with Dylan Dubé stepping away from the team, he's unavailable. Martin Pospisil's on IR. He's hurt. They've already got Coronado and Klapka up, and they both played on Saturday. They, they, they might be dipping into the Wranglers' pool already, and certainly... Um, 
if Manchapani can't go, they're going to have to unless they want to go 11-7. and seven. So um, that's, that's something to be watching for. I'm, I'm curious about that. And honestly, I, I, I don't have an inkling, but, you know, just both of us raised eyebrows when off day, then maintenance on the Monday, and Greer skating on the back of the line. So we'll yeah. see how it plays out. Yeah, and, and just, I, I suppose, a, a heads up for everybody. If you do see a, a recall at 10 a.m., which is usually when we learn of them tomorrow morning, I think the Calgary Flames would like to have 13 forwards around. Yeah, and oh, 100%. So, you know, it might not necessarily mean that Andrew Mangiapane is not back the way Ryan Huska described his, his maintenance day today. I, I think most the most likely outcome is that number 88 is in his usual spot tomorrow, but something to keep an eye on. For, for sure. sure, for sure. It's uh, Pat and Wes along with you this hour on Flames Talk. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Wet basement? They have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They are all things basement Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Flamestock is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. It is a Monday with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. And on Mondays, we dive in on the future of the Flames. And that's what we're doing right now. Brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech. Fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they believe they can give patients more time, visit Oncolytics Biotech. Dot com And on the future of the Flames, we chat every week with the head coach of the number one affiliate. Trent Cull is the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. Joins us now on the program after uh, a weekend where the Wranglers fell 4-3 Friday in Coachella Valley, 7-3 Saturday in Bakersfield. Uh, Wranglers sitting 22-12-3 and on the season and continue for, uh, fighting for top spot in the AHL's Pacific Division. Uh, Mr. Cull, as always, appreciate the time. And uh, just how, how would you... Uh, how how would you evaluate the weekend for your group? <laughs> well, Pat, uh, what do I say? We lost a couple games, so uh, I still don't like that. Uh, you know, uh, but uh, I don't think any of us do. Uh, but uh, you know what? I thought we had a decent game in Coachella. Uh, you know, scrambled from behind, got an empty netter, or sorry, uh, pulled the goalie, got uh, the third goal there. We're, we were right there. And, uh, you know, but we played a decent hockey game on the road. You know, the next night, and um, you know, we just uh, we actually didn't mind our first period. Second period went out, and, uh, you know, kind of the dam kind of broke on us, and, yeah. and uh, we just couldn't recover back after that, unfortunately. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a, you know, you go on the road for two, you're back home for a little bit, then you're back on the road for five. I'm just curious, what, what's the focus this week as you get some practice time in here in Calgary? Just... Just simplifying, you know what I mean? I think, uh, you know, I, I feel like we've, we've had a good, we had a good couple of weeks of practice. Uh, you know, we know there's a lot of change going on right now with our, with our team and our lineup, but uh, we just have to know that sometimes we have to be a little more uh, generic, uh, a little uh, easier to read off of. And, uh, and the other thing is, is uh, we've got to do a better job of, like, supporting each other or helping each other out. You know, we want to make sure that we're putting our teammates in good situations to succeed when we're on the ice, when we leave the ice, right? So those are focus points for us for over the next couple of days before okay. we leave town. You know, Trent, it's it's uh, over the weekend. Your group officially passed the the midway mark of the AHL season, and uh, now you've got five games until a little bit of a reset opportunity for the AHL's All Star break. I'm just 
how, how would you, if, if you were to kind of take a little bit of a further away view of, of your team's first 38, how, how would you sum up the first half of this season and, and your first half coaching this Wranglers team? Just probably, uh, you know, I've coached in the American League a few years, and uh, this is probably the most, I'd say, adversity we've dealt, I've dealt with as okay. a head coach with the team and uh, through injuries and call-ups. I mean, it's awesome, right? I mean, a lot of our guys, like, I get excited. I wasn't able to watch the game Saturday to see uh, Clapper play or, or Matt, you know, and so, but, uh, you know, I look forward to watching the game tomorrow night, you know, and, and and seeing some of the guys that we've been coaching playing. So that's great. I mean, it's been awesome. And, and my group, for the most part, has done, a, I think, a really good job. I mean, we've had call-ups right from the start of the year, guys injured, et cetera, that have affected us. And the group has done overall in a, in a half of a year have probably exceeded expectations in my eyes because they did such a good job with with a ton of adversity. And sometimes, you know, like you've got to make sure that you're always on point. You've got to even be um, – uh, more so doing a better job as, as the year wears on to, to make those things sustainable. And uh, we know there's going to be adverse uh, times and guys called up, but creates opportunity for the guys that are here, right? I mean, uh, there's always someone else is going to be on the verge of getting called up as well. So we want to make sure that the group that's here is playing as good as they can be while we're here. It's it's, it's interesting. I was, I was going to ask you, Trent, if, if this is because you've coached in this league before and, and you've dealt with the challenges that go along with a kind of ever-changing roster that you're always at the mercy of the parent club. So this this is, in terms of those types of things, this, this has been the most challenging year for you as a coach, eh? Well, I'm not going to say it's a challenge, the most challenging. What it is is we started, I think, with a, a pretty decent team on, on paper, you know what I mean? And I thought we had a great start, and I liked our group. And then even through uh, uh, Poirier getting hurt and uh, other guys getting called up, but like nothing phased us. We kept on, you know, motoring through Pospisil and Zari and a few uh, uh, wolf call-ups, et cetera, right? And so I thought it was it was good. But uh, – like for me, it's the first time probably coaching the American Hockey League. We've gone through our whole uh, everybody who signed has almost played for us. You know what I mean? So yep. we already have other guys that, that are on our lineup from the East Coast League and, and getting other guys. So it's it's amazing to have we've gone through our, our everybody. You know, and it's uh, so usually that doesn't necessarily happen before Christmas, and that's kind of what is kind of happened with us here. And so, but uh, anyway, but it's good. We're still motoring along. Uh, and we're hoping to have a, a better road trip this one coming up in the last. The uh, how is that from your standpoint when you as as you mentioned, like it's it's a lot of moving parts and and it feels like every night you're you're dealing with different lineup things. Is is that one of those things as a coach? Like when it when it puts you to the test like that, how much do you enjoy that? Maybe enjoy is the wrong word. How much do you embrace that and and really kind of puts those coaching chops to the test, doesn't it? It does. You know, I like, that's what, uh, I was really happy. I thought we went in, like we worked really hard. I think we've been working really hard as a staff. I've, I've challenged our coaches and made sure that we're, we're doing a good job. And so like, I think we've done, done a really good job with that. And then all of a sudden you go into Coachella, we had a good game, you know what I mean? And we didn't end up being on top. These things happen. Like, but it was a close game. We battled, we were hard. I didn't like the Bakersfield one. We didn't have everybody kind of going right off the bat, and that and and that kind of hurts, you know. And so that's one of those things. Okay, we got to find a way to make sure everybody is going this week, heading into San Jose, and uh, no matter what strings or buttons we're pushing here, that we were just talking about that as a staff today, that we got to find a way to make that happen. 
the uh, and, and I guess the the overarching thing would be you're just as a group, and I know the group has has definitely changed, and there's been lots of moving parts in it. But overall, you're just pretty proud of the the battle level. Hey, whether whether the, the execution's been perfect every single night, has that been something that's been pretty constant for your group? I think that uh, I think we've relied on our structure and we've done a pretty good job. Like I was most pleased with our you know our games there, just at the finish kind of our homestand. Um, we were really stingy. We didn't give up a lot of opportunities versus Ontario and, and Henderson, and uh, we played stingy games. And we didn't. I think we gave up like like less than than twelve chances against in every those four games. We lost one of them too, you know, by a goal. Uh, we won one in a shootout, you know what I mean? So like, and it was one nothing. So. But that's kind of that's kind of the team that we are right now. That's kind of how we have to play, and uh, and so kind of not not really uh, dumb it down by any means. But we want to make sure that we're playing to our identity because we can be successful that way. But we need to make sure that we're all playing that and knowing that, and and but not taking away creativity either. We're still trying to make sure we're fostering guys and getting guys better and and, and opening up, you know, keeping the horizons open. We are chatting with Trent Cull. He is the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, number one affiliate of the Flames. He joins us every Monday here on Flames Talk. It's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on this Monday. Wes? Trent, I know you mentioned that you didn't get to see Adam Klapka's debut Saturday for obvious reasons, but, you know, I, I'm curious. We, we get to see another solo lap at the Saddledome. What, in your eyes, put Adam Klapka in position to make his NHL debut this past weekend? You know what? Like I think Clapper uh, brings a, like a certain element, you know. And I, you guys would be able to speak better on how he played for his one game, etc. But like, he's a good forechecker. You know what? He's he's uh, he's consistently our most physical forward. You know what I mean? Him and probably Clark Bishop. Like those guys are good on the forecheck, and 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 Clapper's good on the forecheck. He's got a long stick, and he and he creates a little chaos, you know, which I think is really good. And you know, probably I, I've had. Uh, Adam playing in every situation for us and almost maybe overplaying him down here, you know what I mean? Because that's really his forte, I believe, is him being consistent on the walls. That's stuff that we worked on, talked about, and him forechecking, getting pucks deep. And, and I've liked his ozone play, you know what I mean? He's a big guy who gets that puck and he can put that out away from opposition defensemen and hold guys off. And, uh, and we wanted to get him into those zones. I think he's done that really well. He's done it consistently. He's been a good point performer uh, for us this year too because we've played him in a lot of these situations and relied on him and so hopefully I mean you guys tell me how was his game how did he do I mean four hits on eight shifts seems like a, a pretty uh, good impact yep. in limited ice time yeah good that's good well I mean that's I think that's if he brought that energy and 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 some of that physicality I think that's kind of like his niche that he can carve out in the NHL can you take us kind of behind the the curtain and and not just in Adam's case but you've had these conversations a lot of times this season where you know the Flames need a a body they need a spark whatever it is they're looking to call up a player can you take us behind the scenes in in sort of what happens when the big club decides hey we we need a guy here I think it's in all case different difference uh and how that what i mean by that start of the year hey uh how's how's Posby doing how's how's he playing down there how's czar doing you know what i mean those were and so we had some thorough conversations earlier on in the year about that and then that was you know 
with Connie calling. That was with Don Maloney calling, you know, and I'm always talking. Like I, me and Brad Pascal talk is probably as much as, you know, our, our, we talk to our wives, you know what I mean? We're always on the phone or we're always seeing each other and talking to each other, right? So, um, so there's always a fluent line of communication no matter what. And, you know, Brad's pretty good on echoing the message of whatever's going on in our day-to-day uh, uh, affairs here. So some days it's it's calling and, and finding out, and some other days it's hey, this is the guy we need. We've been watching you guys play at home. We see it. This is the guy that deserves it. And I think that was kind of immediate what was happening with with Adam Klapka, you know. And then uh, we go on the road, and then you know possibly gets hurt. Well, Coronado's the guy, you know what I mean? So it's it's sometimes it's always a little bit different how it happens, uh, but just a cool story like. Uh, and this is Brad's suggestion too, you know, like Adam hadn't hadn't been called up before. We brought him into the staff, uh, the staff room there, and just you know wanted to make sure that you know all the coaches were a part of that because they've been working with Clapper a lot for the last year too, right? To make sure you know Don Knockbauer's in there, to make sure that uh, Joe Sorella's in there, you know, just to make sure other guys that, that have been a part of that were with them, and and it's an awesome feeling, you know. It's like it's a bunch of proud dads, like happy for their their kid that they've spent time with, who's who's on his way to the NHL. Geez, if I was Adam and I walked into the office and every coach was in there, I'd be terrified. No, it was it was a good thing. He probably, he probably was looking around a little bit, not really sure what was going on. And then I I called Brad Pascal at the moment and put him on speakerphone, right? So so we could all kind of be a part of it, and 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 he's the one who kind of directed it, and and you know we just talked to him after for a little bit, and it's an and I heard his parents were there, so that was great. I, I'm just we couldn't see it. But it was great to hear that it all went well. And unfortunately, uh, the boys didn't win, but it, it was good for, for everyone to be a part of it. Let me ask you about a guy who went the other direction. Walker Dewar clears waivers, you know, a player who signed a, a one-way contract last season, probably expected, you know, for obvious reasons to be in the National Hockey League for this entire season. W- what do you do from a coaching perspective with a guy like Walker to help him get that reset that the Flames talked about when he was reassigned? Well, uh, first and foremost, play him. You know what I mean? That's I got to get Walker up and playing, and that's that's what he did on the weekend. You know what I mean? And so I think that is like our primary concern. And then from there, I'm still getting to know Walker a little bit myself. I've talked with Husk about some of the things that he would like to see, and you know, kind of maybe his more his focal point. So that was great. And so, but the biggest thing is, uh, I don't think we can sit here and tell the guy we need this, this, and this right now. We need to make sure that he is getting himself playing, getting some reps in. we got to get his confidence up and running. And then, you know, from there we can start tweaking some things and talking about the exact things that we see, you know. And I think that's part of the, that's part of the I guess, the mode of getting those guys back up and running and then adding to their game from game to game as, as they start kind of getting their feet under them. Let me ask you about one more guy, and you mentioned him earlier, and, it, you know, it's funny whenever I talk to scouts about watching the Wranglers, they say, oh, geez, you know, keep your eye on, on Clark Bishop. Whenever you hear scuttlebutt around the rink, it's, you know, the, the management really likes what they've seen from Clark Bishop. He's not the first name I know that we always ask about on, on this segment, but can you kind of explain what Clark Bishop brings to your hockey club? Uh, a consistent a uh, centerman for us who's a who's a really uh, I think is a good checker you know I mean he's a he's a PK guy he's uh he's got good speed and he's he's one of those kind of consistent checkers for us and what I mean by checker is being good on the fourth jack being physical you know what I mean I like I like what he's his the niche that he's brought 
Sometimes I have different guys play with him, skilled guys, this and that, different things, because he's kind of a speedy guy who goes to the middle of the ice, and he's always helps guys get pucks back because he's good at checking, you know. And uh, and like I, I've kind of got him and Cole Schwint. Cole Schwint's been good on both sides of the puck, you know what I mean? He's playing power plays, playing PK, etc. So I've been really happy with kind of the the tandem of those guys. Have been good guys for our other guys to play with because they help those guys produce offensively as well. Just a few more with Trent Cull, head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. He joins us Mondays here on Flames Talk. Um, I, I do have to ask you, you uh, you got a second game in, and, and we saw Oliver return to practice with the Flames on, on Monday morning. But uh, tell us about Oliver Shillington in the second game. He played with you on Friday in the, the tight game against Coachella. How uh, how'd you like the way Oliver played in his second pro game with you? You know what? We had a conversation there earlier on in the morning, and I just said, hey, man, like, make sure you're playing full tilt here. You know what I mean? Sometimes when you're – maybe your your time is coming to an end with the, with the Wranglers, say, like maybe guys will play kind of halfway or a little apprehensive, you know what I mean? Not maybe to get hurt or this or that, whatever. But he played full tilt. It was, uh, it was good, you know what I mean? I think every game that he plays, every practice that he has, I think it's just going to be better and better for Oliver. But – Man, he can skate. Uh, you know what? He gives us a little bit more of that, that dynamic presence from the back end that we uh, we are kind of desperately need and we miss after you know not having you know Poirier or De Simone or uh, you know Osterley, the, these guys we've had down here. So yeah. it's nice to have him jump in there. And we missed him the second night. There's no doubt about it. You know. So, but uh, it was good. Good for him. I think every like I said, every minute he's playing, every minute he's practicing is just going to help Oliver get closer and closer back to form. And what when you uh. When you take a look, because he was with you for a couple of weeks, got some good practices in. Here's a guy who's got hundreds of NHL games under his belt, and and you know has has been able to play you know high leverage playoff hockey. What can what can just having a guy, uh, even as he's working his way back to the NHL, having a guy uh, in the room and on the ice with the group? What what kind of uh, rub off can that have on your group? I think it's good. You know what? I think that you know I said that like the. The week before, you could just see him at practice and having hockey conversations with guys. You're talking about things. And then, you know, like we're down in Coachella the morning skate. He's working on the power play. He's talking about with certain things. You could see the passion in him and, and how he's talking about the game. And, and, and he's a guy who wants to win. You know, I, I love that. Like, I want some, you know, we love players that, they, you know, you're they're willing to do whatever kind of it takes to win hockey games. And I think that that's, that's awesome for guys to have that short little brief stint around NHL got experienced guys yeah. who are really competitive, you know, and I think that's great. And I think that's great for them to see, Hey, here's a guy down from the NHL has played a ton of the national hockey league and he's just trying to win and trying to do things at this level. You know what I mean? I think that that can only help the group that I I'm coaching for sure. Hey Trent, really appreciate the time. Uh, have a good week at practice and uh, good luck on the road later on this weekend as uh, you hit the road for five before your all-star break. Really appreciate the time as always. Thanks for doing this, Trent. All right, boys. Thank you. Uh, appreciate the time. Be well, hey. That's Trent Cole, the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, who joins us every Monday, and he joins us on the Future of the Flames. Brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how an idea originating in Calgary inspired hope for many, visit OncolyticsBiotech.com. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty, when you think about it, like, you don't maybe get an appreciation for what the 
coaching job is entailed for Trent this year. Every game, it's like lines are different and you're, you know, who you're playing with who is different because there's been more injuries on the Flames side of things. There's been more of an effort made by the Flames to integrate young players into the NHL lineup. The Wranglers have had injuries, whether it's the Poirier injury that, that Trent mentioned or, or Captain Brett Sutter or, I mean, Dryden Hunt's been hurt. Like right. they've, they've had Clark Bishop's missed some time. Like they've, had, they've had significant injury issues of their own. The Flames have had injury issues. It's, it's been an adversity-filled year. And just as a coach of a team, every game, like you don't complain. You know what you're signing up for. That is the nature of the American League. But still, you're like, okay, every game, you're like, all right, who are we playing with who? And, and what, how are we going to put together our lines? And who do we have available? Um, it's, been a, it's been a fascinating year for the Wranglers. Uh, I have the AHL website up right now, and, and it shows that the Calgary Wranglers have used 35 players so far this season. Jeez. Right? That's almost like... That's almost enough to have two games. Yeah. Right? You've gone through three goalies. I don't have the exact breakdown of defensemen and, and forwards, but 35 players already this season. And, and in so many cases, not always, but in so many cases when the Calgary Flames are bringing guys up, it's because of an injury. So they're not sending someone back. Yeah. Right? It's one thing to maybe flip-flop, and, and I can't remember the exact timing, but Pospisil comes up, Dryden Hunt goes back. Klapka comes up, Walker Dewar's recently gone back. Like, at least you've got a, a guy to then plug into your lineup. But so often that hasn't been the case, right? We don't talk a ton about Nick DeSimone, who was the minute played leader for the Calgary Wranglers. Suddenly, poof, he's gone. Four games into the season, Jeremy Poirier, quarterbacks for power play. Poof, he's gone. Guess who gets off to a great start? Connor Zary. Well, yep. see you, Connor. We might as well, you know donate your jersey to silent auction because you're never going to be back in the AHL. And so just one curveball or one challenge after another for Trent Cullen, and his staff there with the Wranglers. Uh, done a hell of a job. They're still fighting for top spot in the AHL's Pacific Division. Uh, he's going to the All-Star game as the coach. Dustin Wolf's going to the All-Star game. We'll see what happens. I don't know what happens with Matt Coronado if he is in the NHL, like he'll stay in the NHL. He won't go to the All-Star Games. So. Yeah, I talked to Matt Coronado about that the other day. He uh, wants the AHL to know that he'd love to go to the All-Star Game. He's honored. But if the Calgary Flames have uh, alternate plans for him, that would be even better. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Honored, but yeah. the NHL is still the place you want to be. Especially, you know, since that would mean a, a trip to his old stomping grounds. Grew up on Long Island. New York Islanders fan. Yep. Nick Letty fan. I hope I hope he gets to play there. That'd be cool. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be right? pretty neat. And you yeah. know, and and playing a Madison Square Garden for a New York guy, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I hope he gets that opportunity. Big opportunity for him tomorrow, right? That second line needs to look better than they did Saturday. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, for Wes Gilbertson, he's on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. Thanks to Azam and Cam, our producers this hour. That'll start to wrap us up on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors.